All right, beautiful people, here we are back in the podcast chairs and couch with the great Darren Murr, mate. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's bloody good to have you. Tyler, I want to jump on too because... Yeah, well, this is one we've both been waiting for for a while. If, you, if you're a listener of the... If you're a listener of the Quickfire 30 episodes, I think both myself and Which Locke... You should, be. you should be. But both myself and Locke answer to the question of who in your world to make a great guest for the podcast, both answered Darren Murr. So we've both really, really been looking forward to this one ever since you walked through the doors. October last year, you've been around in our lives for a while before then, but like started training, I think during the lockdown when we did the car park sessions Yep, late when, last year. When everyone first started coming back and mm. um, best thing I did, yeah, best thing I did. We still can't shake you. Bit of, no, bit of, no. Bit of praise going on so far. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I tell you what, the Lots imposter syndrome is starting to peak big time right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> well, no pressure, but this better be the best episode yet. Um, they say never meet your heroes, but here we are with Darren Murr, so it's absolute pleasure, mate. First question for you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? It's a, it's a good question. Um, and probably not one I've given a lot of thought to before you asked me before the camera came <laughs> on. Um <laughs> The, the one thing I've learned as I've got older and wiser and um, and learned to sort of sit more comfortably in, in life is, is just being around people and, and trying to help people be better, whether that be business, whether that be sport. Um, just find a way to, to have people work together and, and be better at what they do. Um, I said footy is a massive driver for that, but that, that spilled over into, into business in the last sort of five to 10 years since since sport coaching business has been better what what is it about coaching sport and coaching um and i guess the challenges of coaching that's translated over or transferred over to business it's a bit cliche and and it's something that's spoken about in here a lot um just showing up um and, and it translates and i've heard you say this over and over and over again and i use it at work sometimes if you turn up, um, even if it's uncomfortable or it's not going to be nice or whatever, um, you, you tick that off and all of a sudden you've made a step. Whatever that step is, whatever direction yeah. it goes, you've, you've just achieved something. Um, and it's a win. Um, it really is. I mean, it, it's a really simple thing. In business, people don't show up a lot because they don't want to give of themselves. They don't want to invest. So... Um, if you get them to show up and, and contribute, then all of a sudden they start to buy in and feel like they've got yeah. something to offer. Have you always it, been someone who's shown up? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, no, I've floated through life a lot. Um, and it's, it's only, I think it's only as you, well, my generation I think in particular, we weren't exposed to a lot of the modern... Um, focus on growth and development and and things like that so i can honestly say i blinked and 30 life 30 years of life had had passed and apart from having a beautiful wife and and starting a family you sort of shout out michelle Michelle. yeah um i sort of looked back and went okay wow what have i done i was going to ask what's been a catalyst for that change you said you hadn't always shown up what has been a catalyst for that change. Has it been, you know, your beautiful family or? It, and Locke will understand this. When you have a family, it does sharpen your focus a little bit. Um, but but no, I actually, funnily enough, I actually think starting coaching junior footy was was the biggest thing. Because I remember um, you you met Steve White through through footy. Um, we were standing, another shout out. Yeah, another shout out. We were standing standing at. Um, Narambi Oval uh, about 10 years ago with 40-odd kids and 20-odd parents and they're trying to get two under-10s teams together and one coach and the president comes across and says, well, we need another coach. Gave you the tap on the shoulder. Well, it's not. No, it was just to the parent group. If someone doesn't do this, then 20-odd kids are going to miss out. Yeah, well. And I sort of looked around expecting someone someone else to do it (laughs) and no one did and I'm like, oh. And you know Darce, and he was the same with footy then as he is now. So, like, if it's not me, he doesn't get it because you can yep. see that the 20 that they picked had sort of already were off and yep. so up, get, up went the hand. And that was probably the first time where, um, and you talk about imposter syndrome, 
I'd been out of footy for a long time and and really hadn't achieved much. You know, I, am I capable of this? But stick your hand up and run, see what happens. What was that first... I mean, you would have had some training sessions, but was that first game like when you've got 20 kids running around, you've got the team team <laughs> sheet in front of you, and you're like, what the fuck have I got myself into? Uh, I wish I had a video of it. It was priceless. We spent 25 minutes in the rooms before the game trying to show these cats, and that's the only way I can describe it, it's like herding cats, <laughs> um, where they're playing and what that meant. <laughs> yeah, true. And we had it so well drilled into them, and then they went out, and of course <laughs> they tossed the coin. Yeah, and they oh, kicked the, the other, the other way. way. So we had kids just run all <laughs> over the place, and in the end, like we had the runner out there trying to, and they went, nah, "I just called him back, went, let him go, we'll fix it later." Yeah. And we just because <laughs> it, it was the first moment I realised it's actually not that important. Yeah, at that age in particular, it's yeah. just not that important. Parents it's, were bent out of shape. It's a good little life, life lesson. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was. Parents were completely bent out of shape because they thought their kid was playing full forward or whatever, and yeah. he was down the other end of the ground. And but yeah, it was just I'm like, well, there's 24 kids with a mind of their own. We can't fix this. Just let it go. First big spanner in the works. You talked about imposter syndrome, and myself and like a lot of my mentors have learned along the way that that doesn't really go away. No. You're now in like a senior coaching role with the YC Stonecats. Mm. How have you? dealt with that imposter syndrome through the through years of coaching and business it's a premiership senior coach, <laughs> coaching role to uh yeah it's um no it's it's escalated it's probably got worse in the last couple of years and and that's as a result of um of exposing yourself to more and that's business as well um footy was obviously driven by the boys that I coach wanting to find a home and connection with YC and that that all happening and and then turning up and and having that group train with the seniors was great but then realizing actually that means I've got to coach the seniors and I didn't plan on that and you're standing there in front of um, yours truly um, Chinny uh, <laughs> BJ um, Dill Robert and and you go I've coached eight years of junior footy. Yeah. What the hell have I got to offer these guys? Seriously, and you would understand this. I'm yep. sort of go, what can I say that is going to have any impact on these people? How am I going to help them? And I've literally found myself just letting words come out and looking people in the eye going, I've got no idea if this is going to help you, but I'm just going to do it. Um, best thing I did was pull out a, um, a training drill, not a drill, but a, a mechanism in a drill we used when kids weren't talking and made people ask please and thank you when they wanted the footy. If you wanted the footy, you had to scream please. Good manners. And if Still you one of my favourite pre-season <laughs> sessions ever. Yeah. It was hilarious. And Kev mentioned it at, pre- at presentation last year. He's going, who the fuck is – what the – but he said within 20 seconds I'm engaging this drill and I'm screaming I want – you know – Please, please, thank you. Thank you. And <laughs> the noise levels went up. And from that moment on, I thought, you know, I can do anything here and they're just going to do it. Um, and get, uh, that gives you some confidence to try. Um, but I still, I still to this day, um, stand in front of some of those guys and, and know that they know more than I do. Yeah, that's right. And that's what I've found too. Like it is really intimidating, like standing in front of people that, you know, whether in the gym floor or in a footy environment that you know are better than you, but... In that situation, like no one, they respect your role, and no one's going to tell you to get fucked and not listen to you. Like they, they respect you, and they're going to take what you provide on board. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the lens that you and I maybe layer over it. But I reckon at local level, um, they don't just give you respect. So, and you, you mm. might confirm or deny this, but they will tolerate you if you're in a role. <laughs> yeah, because um, I've witnessed some some average leaders or average coaches and, and you watch the body languages of players and, and they do, they tolerate and they're polite um, and they do it because they know that the club needs them to do it. But there's a difference and you've got, yeah. you've got the respect of people on the gym floor and I, I know people at Red Hill. So, but, but that's what we tell ourselves. They have to do it because we're yeah, in a right. role. And yep. It's not the case. You've still got to earn it. Um, I think tolerate's a good, Starting point, like that, like genuinely, that's a really good way to look at local footy because you've got seventy blokes, all from the route, like relatively you know close proximity, that are all doing different things from different. You know, some have been playing footy for twenty years, some are new, some have played high level, some haven't, and some are there for fun, some are there because they want to you know 
achieve things. Tolerate's a good start, and yeah, you're right. You've got to earn that respect, but it. But you've also got to earn the engagement and the connection and the trust and the willingness. And I think that is built over time and quality conversations and being able to connect over something diff- something simple like saying please and thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're what ten years into your coaching journey. Yeah, or so. Yeah. Roughly. Roughly. What Could you articulate what your coaching philosophies are that you've built over the last 10 years? Um, it, it's funny because I've tried to write this down a few times and, and I've never been a strong one at putting these words into play. But the back end of this year, um, if someone asked me, I, I care deeply about about the people that that are going to invest time um, I ask a lot set really high standards um, and from there will um, expect just unconditional effort so that's probably in simple terms the way I'd go about it is, is there's a deep care for for all the athletes that I've coached all you know, there's, there's guys now young men at pines and Red Hill and and I still care about them a lot, um, but I do ask a lot, and I do ask them to be unconditional. I do ask them to show up, and I do ask them to do the work. Um, and funnily enough, we've never not had success. Now, ultimately, winning a flag is in footy is is um, viewed as being successful, but this year would be probably one of the most successful we've had because who we were chasing was so much better than us. Yeah, and and the progress you were able to make was significant. In a short time, yeah, yeah. I mean, the season just batted along because under nineteen's footy is so sick. But there was that one group, and I said that um, in my losing speech, mm. on that that having that one mob to chase made us better and gave us a purpose. And I think that's really important. Just you know, forget footy; that's a life thing. It's life, yeah, yeah. You touched on you'd always been successful. So in years where you hadn't. Yeah, <laughs> where success wasn't defined by winning a premiership. What did success look like in those years where you didn't, you know, get the cliche ultimate success? What did success look like? Um, every one of the kids that started the year finished the year better. Yep, you know, growth. It's yeah, and growth's a growth's a weird weird word. It's a buzzword, I think, of your generation. <laughs> but they just they just got better, and the the one thing that. W- pretty proud of it and Steve's had a massive impact in in my coaching journey um is is that generally our messages are around life um there's a little they're, they're laid a little bit more deeply than you know pick the footy up kick the footy catch the footy chase that bloke tackle that bloke um there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff there that we hope these kids will, will take and run with life and that's why junior footy is great because you're having such a massive impact on young minds so early but the, the same things have happened with the senior players. So, and I think we all crave it. Even coming here, like talking to you guys, I, I still crave that that sort of direction, that, those conversations, um, that fulfilment, um, that help, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I think it's I think it's been very reflective in our relationship, how it's built between like your relationship with us as coaches. On the gym floor, but then you're also coach at footy. It's it's been a cool like juxtaposition to be able to like at the end of the day, all sport is all life is just relationship building, and it's connecting with good people and finding people that you know are on similar wavelengths and doing cool shit together. What's been the the biggest learning shifting from you know a group of sixteen, seven year old, seventeen year old kids um, shifting and taking them to a senior club where you've got blokes that are 30, 30, 36, Byron, shout out, and, and you know, the other coaches and older. Like, what's it been like basically taking the kids that you've looked after so long into that environment? It, 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 it's funny because it, it doesn't feel any different. Um, and, I, you know, I get very reflective and that's, that's something I've forced myself to do in the last sort of five to ten years probably, well, especially yeah. since being a parent. But... Um, because we've watched these young men grow and, and they were literally babies when we started yeah. and they're now young men, um, 
and and they're now engaging in conversations that are just you know if you strip strip it back to where you started when they were eight you go, i yeah. can't believe i'm having Fuck. this conversation that with must, this that bloke. Must be so, like because i guess as a dad you get to do that with your kids you get to yeah <clears throat> and you know well, i'm starting this journey and we're three years almost three years in with loose and i can't believe how much she's changed so i can yeah. only imagine the eight till to you know 19 that you you've gone through with yeah, all your boys it's crazy but <laughs> but i look at byron and he's a 15 year old <laughs> no, he's 36 but he's a 15 year old so it's just getting to a senior footy club yet yeah, they've got less life experience and they've got more that they need to learn and and do and and live but they're just young men um and and in a footy club that's you're just a group of young men whether they're 30 year old young men or 18 year old young men they're, they're all the same um you know variations, but generally they're, they're, they're wired pretty similarly. Um, but yeah, the, the the watching them grow from eight to to eight to nineteen has has been the intriguing thing. I mean, Ethan Stanley is a perfect example. I mean, this kid we we battled to keep playing footy, and yeah. he's a superstar. You yeah. know, he 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 Doing just anything. he just found himself probably beyond where all of the the pathway programs um, would look at him, but. Um, Standing at Sorrento when the under 19s weren't playing, and we'd we'd had a training session, and we we're waiting for the 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 twos to sort of do their thing, and and all of a sudden I'm I'm talking to this kid, and we're having a, a really deep life conversation and and philosophical conversation yeah. about work, and and then it gets to footy, and his whole face and demeanour change, and I'm looking at this kid, and you didn't want to play yeah. five years ago, and then I realised, oh shit, I've just missed the senior team meeting. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I look at f- kind of ages now completely differently now that I'm one of the older guys in a football club where, you know, I was, my nickname was Kid for the first couple of years because I was mm. one of the younger guys and I just looked up to <clears throat> all these giants and and played football with them for years and now majority of the guys I started with are retired and I'm looking at it going like, fuck, age doesn't matter in the slightest. Like, you know, once we get once you get past 18, you can do whatever you want. It's all it is is just a number and people's life experiences and demeanor or and I guess personalities change so or don't change so dramatically as you kind of shift from 25 to 30 and figure figure stuff out. Mm. Like, my relationship with you and with Das freaks me out because I'm kind of in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> das Das is me. 10, 12 years ago and, you know, I feel as though we, we're on, on, a, on a similar path to, to what you've trodden um, as, as a dad and I kind of just, I have conversations with you and I'm like, fuck, I feel like I'm talking to your son and vice versa. <laughs> Darcy's is a middle-aged man in an 18-year-old's body. This, this is true. <laughs> this is true. He's very, very stoic. Yeah, he is and I'll, I'll take some of the blame for that. A serious, <laughs> old, serious fellow who didn't, doesn't let himself, not let his hair down very often but, yeah, um, yeah, it, the, the, and that's the beautiful thing about about being in footy clubs. You you just you just see all these blokes, and as long as as long as everyone is showing up, yeah. um, and everyone is doing the work, um, and everyone is invested in each other, and cares about each other, um, really good things can happen. And and I don't think we're actually anywhere near at the. At, at our max at YC, which is which scares me. No There's a lot of what we did this year, which is is based on the the strategy stuff that Paul put in place, but a lot of it's talent based. And to me, the the last bastion is that full deep connection. We're all in, yeah. and if you're going to beat one of us, you have to beat twenty one others. Um, we're not quite there yet, so that scares me. And sorry, Hillman are coming though. Yeah, the, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they <laughs> are. Cute. But but. <laughs> I watch this group and I go, "There's so much power left in them," um, and that that'll be that's not that's not a coach driven thing. I, I can see that coming from within the playing group. So yeah, that 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 level of trust and willingness and connection just takes time. I think yeah, it and, does, and it takes <clears throat> it just takes reps of training sessions and games. Yep. And um, some of the boys that I have, I'm lucky enough to still be playing with that I played with for a decade or so. Like we have this connection that I can't really articulate it. It's built on trust, and you and I've spoken about that a couple of times. I remember being challenged by, um, I remember who it was. It was someone associated with the club to start with, because of my philosophy on wanting these kids to be exposed to play senior footy. 
And they said, you're biased. And I looked at them and yep, I am, 100%. Yep. And they've gone, see, coaches are biased. I'm going, yeah, we are. Everyone's and anyone, anyone who says they're not is crazy. Um, and I've had this conversation with Michelle. I'm absolutely biased because I've been in to battle with these kids for nine years. And the ones that have hung in there, they've done the work. They keep showing up. They get up when they get knocked down. Um, so I know what I'm going to get. I trust that. And then you and I'm developing that same connection with the senior bloke. So it's not an eighteen year old thing or a, it's just if you go to war with someone or go to work with someone, whatever that is, and you know they're gonna show up and you know they're gonna do the work and their best may or may not be good enough, but you know you're gonna get it and you trust them. So What what is it that you love about football clubs? And I kinda of half know the this answer, but I look at sporting clubs and football clubs especially as, you know, a twenty first century church in terms of place to go to connect and to get around everyone what is it that you love about that particular environment um uh, with young men in particular and it's probably the lens that i look through I, it, having that that place to go and that 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 one um community outside of work and family where they can go and feel like they belong and feel like they are a part of something yeah. um and get whacked when they don't play their role and get cuddled when things aren't working. Um, and it gives them a sense of well, belonging is probably the simplest word. Um, and, and I think young men in particular need it more now more than ever because there's just not a lot of that structure in their life. So, a, a, the discipline, but just that place where they go and belong. Um, as long as they... they keep going they show up they do the work then then everyone will put their arms around them um i've said this to das a few times it doesn't matter which footy club you're a part of you're going to have a bad moment in your life and if you've invested in that place (coughs) then they'll be there as long as you need them and that's the that's the great thing about (coughs) them just that sense of community that sense of belonging Um, and i took that for granted as a kid that's probably um the biggest lesson that i learned coming back into coaching is oh i didn't I didn't get this. I didn't understand that. Yeah, talk us through so, your, your football career. Yeah, and, and that was going to be my next question. What was your experiences with football clubs as a player versus as a coach? Yeah, my my junior days were were fondly remembered at PNC Footy Club in Frankston, which doesn't exist anymore. Opposite Frankston High at Delicom Park. There, um, my best mate's dad was the coach of that team by and large for most of them. And most of my junior career, um, and he was the MC at my wedding. Um, you know, I um, had a big part in his funeral. Just the, the depth of that connection is probably what I draw on now, and I didn't realise that at the time. But um, that that part of footy was amazing, um, and I was good, but I didn't really understand that I was good, and I didn't really understand how to to maximise that. Um, I had a grandfather who was a great mentor and mum was amazing, but I didn't have that that male guy in my corner helping me to learn and navigate that stuff and, and people will take that the way they want to. But I think for young men in particular, that's pretty important growing up. Um, but good enough to get into all the pathways and back then, you know, St Kilda Development Squads, St Kilda Under-19s and that was the moment where I think my footy journey split from what I think is valuable now um i never found my way to a senior footy club i went straight from a junior footy club into pathways um, and then disappeared into what that looks like and was at st kilda for four years um, or three and a bit and two years of 19s and then a year and a half on their list in the twos in a time where you could be delisted in the middle of the year so that's a real kick in the nuts to a young man when you're told in the middle of a season, you're not wanted yeah, here yeah. anymore. And you don't have anywhere to go? No, no. Um, How old were you when? So was it 20, 21-ish? Uh, yeah, 20, 21-ish. Yeah. So, yeah, played, I don't know, yeah, two years of 19. So it would have been around 21. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly, like, when I was 21, like, I felt like a 15-year-old <laughs> still. Like, what would... Ha- <laughs> <laughs> still still do sometimes yep, what were your sort of coping mechanisms with that and like how alcohol hasn't <laughs> <laughs> changed much yeah. um no I, yeah I, 
I, th- I think the the simplest way that I cope was just to to not really not really sit in it, not really reflect and learn from it, was to just sort of push it one push it to push it to one side and and almost forget it happened. Um, so if you deny, if you go into denial, then it's great. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then you have this false bravado that you're better than what you are. Um, and and I reflect now, and I I had plenty of opportunities at at St Kilda to to do better, um, and I I got really close a few times, but didn't grasp them um, and didn't know what they looked like and yeah. didn't know what the work meant. Um, so then walk out and start to blame, well, this, it was that, and whatever. Um, and we all know now as we get older, then it's everything you've got or everything you need, you've got inside you. It's your fault. It's no one else's fault. So, um, But then trying to find my way after that, um, I, I fell out of love with the game for for many reasons because it just got hard. The body started to break. I think that's the other thing that I've learned is when your mind starts to go, your body goes. Um so, you know, I went back to Frankston. I didn't play for the rest of that year. I went back to Frankston in the VFA at that point um, for a year and a bit and just couldn't get going. Um, and you sort of then start to feel like a failure. And, and Robert Mace, who was my um, high school PA coach from Frankston High, Same. he was – wow. <laughs> Shows you how long he was teaching for. I caught up with him a little while ago. He's a good man. So he was coaching at Frankston at the time and, and finished up there and went down to Rye yep. um, as coach. And the end of that season when it happened, I, I played the back end of that season with um, a double hernia. And I didn't realise that at the time, but I'd, I'd got the fittest that I could ever remember being. I was running from the bottom of Oliver's Hill to the gym at Tower Hill Road in South Frankston and back four times a week and then doing an hour and a half in the gym and yep. then running back again. And about halfway through the year, I thought, oh, groin sore and I can't change direction and yep. just loaded up on anti flames got through. But I had double yep. hernia operation at the end fire. of the year and then remember hearing nothing from anyone at the footy club. Yeah. And I'm going, hang on, I've just wrecked myself. Yep. For this. For yeah. this. And and then Rob rang me and said, I've just been finished up and I'm going to Rob, would you come down? And I was 21 as a playing assistant coach and I'm like, yeah, why not? And again, sliding doors moment, should have just buckled in for the ride yeah. of Frankston. But the easy option was no one loves me. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some good coin on offer here and I trust this bloke because yeah. I've been through 10 years of school with him. Um, so I went down there and, and regret it, not because rye was a problem, but it wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah. And a year and a bit there and then that was it. I think it was about 23. Around two, around three. Couldn't, just couldn't get my body up and kept breaking down, kept missing games. Um Again, really good pre-season, tore a hamstring in a practice match, got myself back two or three games in and still on a Thursday night as a 23-year-old, I couldn't move properly. Um, Just got through a game on the weekend and I remember I slumped in the floor at Rye in the change rooms and just started crying in the shower um, after that game until everyone had gone and walked out hoping there was no one there and Rob was still there and I just said, I can't do it, just can't do it anymore, I just cannot do it, I'm done. It's crazy as, at that age to have to go through that. Yeah, yeah, essentially alone. Yeah, well, it was because none of my mates were great footy mates, and I had no deep connection with football. Yeah. Football was a thing that I did, and I thought yeah. it was me. Um, and then I lost that at slowly, and I clearly was grieving through that whole process. <laughs> yeah. um, but I had no one. Uh, Mum was great. She under, she, we're a footy family, so mum understood. But it, as a 21-year-old boy, I, that's not what you want. Yep. Um, so, again, you just turned to partying and whatever. Um, well, yeah, it was, it was sad because it, reflecting on it now, if, you dig, if I had shown up and kept doing the work... I think it, we, it could have turned, and not necessarily for success, but just for yeah. reward and connection yeah. and yeah. belonging that, and all of that all stuff. The good stuff. The good stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. That could be a segue to my next question: Is what would current Daz go back and tell twenty-one, twenty-three-year-old Daz that's been delisted? He's feeling like a failure, feeling unloved at his footy clubs. What would you go back and tell that young man? 
you'll be all right. Just show up and do the work. Just keep turning yeah. up. You'll be okay. And whatever okay looks like, we know that that, that has a multitude of lenses. Um, yeah, you'll be okay. It's probably the simplest thing I would say is you just put your arm around someone. You'll be okay. Yeah. It's it feels bad. It looks bad, and it is bad at this minute. But you will be okay. Do you ever go back to footy? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I did actually. Um, I was so we moved down here. Michelle and I moved down here in in 1996, and um, of course, Mornington were at their at their busy best at that point in time. So my mates and I would be regulars on the hill down at down at Mornington. Watching Goose do his stuff, yep. um, and I played against Goose in the 19s at, at VFL AFL level at that point. And the year that I was year and a bit, I was at Frankston. He was there too, so I had a relationship with him. And he turned, I was blind, absolutely <laughs> pissed off with that. On the hill, I was 29, um, and he's turned to me halfway through the second quarter. He's playing. He's Murray, and I'm like. Yeah, Goose. I said, concentrate, mate. He goes, no, 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 no. Come up. I need, I need to speak to you after the game. I'm like, yeah, no worries. <laughs> and I looked at my mates, and I had, an, I had a few drinks at that point, but I had enough. With, I'm going. He's going to try and get me to play, and yes. they've gone, mate. You haven't played for six years. You're mad. <laughs> I'm going. No, nah, this, this smells. We, we'll go up in the rooms because I know we'll get free drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but don't leave me because if, if you leave yeah, me, I'm going to play. Yeah. Well, I've walked up. <laughs> And the team manager and the president's given mates drink cards and they've ushered me into an office. <laughs> so they were gone. They were gone. They had 50-buck drink cards. Knew exactly what was going Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And half an hour later, I walked out of the office and they're going, where have you been? I've gone, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm playing footy again. <laughs> Look what you've done. <laughs> and then I had to go home and tell a pregnant wife, oh, you know that thing I haven't been doing for a while? <laughs> and... You know, we're due to have a baby around the finals time of that thing. <laughs> I, I'm doing it again. Back. <laughs> and she's like, no, you're not. And I went, yeah, I think I am. So, but best thing I ever did. Yeah. Um, they offered money and, and not crazy money, but it was, you know, we'll give you this and we'll give you that. I said, no, no, no. I just, I want to be okay. So I want to be able to go to a physio. Yeah. I need a pair of boots. Um, yeah. that's, that's all I want. And, um, Goose was the oldest. I was the second oldest, and then there was a big gap. Yeah. So I was called Grandpa. <laughs> Good. So I dis- and that was a time warp in and of itself. I yeah. walked out of a change room as a twenty-three-year-old and into a change room as a twenty-nine-year-old. Doesn't sound Whole like, different world. but it is. It's massive. The language was different. The music was different, <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, time warp. This is amazing. Um, but the connection that I built really quickly with these young guys was. They probably don't remember it. In fact, I guarantee most of them wouldn't because it was a blip. It was half a year in their footy careers. Yeah. But it meant the world to me. Um, played a couple of games in the twos, then got back into the ones and played in a record losing margin to EDS in the grand final. But um, contributed, you know, and and realised, remembered that I could play. And that was the important thing. Yeah. Actually, you, you know how to play the game. You weren't – when you finished, you thought you were – you're all those questions, how did I do this? Yeah. How did I do? All those questions were answered um, and built a deep enough connection that a couple of the boys were really devastated that they couldn't win the game for me because at that point, Mornington were winning every second week, every second year, sorry. Um, and I'd not won a senior flag. Um, and we sat in the rooms and I had a beer in my hand, losing grand final, 90-odd points. And I'm like, I'm done now. I'm okay. I, I can walk yeah. away from the game. I'm okay. Um, and that was weird because they, you know, coming back next year, I'm like, devastated, yeah. no, I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah. Strange, but but it was good fun. Good fun. Yeah, what, what did the um, the shift from, I guess, focusing on you and football to then obviously having the kids, what was that like? And how did that change your day-to-day and how did that change your outlook? Um, you had to shift. And I... I'm open now, a selfish guy, um, and you psychoanalyze yourself to the cow come home for the reasons why. But it was, and at times you, you still drift into that. But you have to shift. You can't be selfish as a parent. You just yeah. can't. There's just no way you can thrive and survive as a parent. Um, and I was lucky. I am lucky. I've have got an amazing um, lady in my life who who was the glue and keeps keeps that together. Um, 
So it, it was a challenge, but you straight away shift into, okay, we've got these little humans and we have, we have to make sure that they get um, a fair and reasonable start at this thing because yeah. this thing's not easy and if, if we fuck it up for them, then they're starting... You know, like so, yeah. if they're starting off the black mark, yeah. and and I'm sure it, it's a, not a reason that they won't win, but you just make it harder than it needs to be. That means they're faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that was probably the biggest thing for that is you shift from that really selfish, self-centered. What am I going to do? What what's life about for me? Yep. Into okay, well, what do we need to do? What's important for Michelle, Charles, Darth? Um, Holidays. What? Well, if, if, yeah, every decision we made was around them. Um, so, yeah, that's the simple answer. Yeah. In that that break period, just shifting back to like business. So, between twenty three and twenty nine, you yep. weren't involved with footy. How did you occupy your time? Because you wouldn't you wouldn't have had the family that or the kids <coughs> no, then either. No. What did that period of your life look like? Um, like like a lot of that first twenty years, it, it just happened and it went. It came and went really quickly. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do because most of us growing up in my generation and just if you were good at footy, you wanted to be a footballer and, and I had no plan B um, and I was not, not motivated to study. Um, mum worked in the promotional merchant. So I actually, I'll step back. I did a year and a half of a landscape garden apprenticeship while I was at St Kilda and loved it but just couldn't at that moment that was when the AFL slash VFL was going professional but semi-professional in yep. the resources. and So doing uh, that job and then trying to play footy. Oh, just it was hard. Yep. It was really, really hard. And um, that was the first moment I went, oh, no, I can't. So I w- walked away from that and then just did stuff, whatever that stuff was, for a few years. And then mum realised that um, I needed some direction from a work perspective because otherwise it was just partying and that's <laughs> yeah. no good. Um, and she's working, you know, merch. She, she worked in merch for all of her life, and yeah. and got me involved with the business she was at. Um, at then, so that's what it was, you know, selling t-shirts and caps and stuff to clubs and businesses. Um, and that occupied my life until, crikey, up until a year ago. That was the industry I was in. Drifted to different businesses and different opportunities within that. It was made redundant as a part of part of that journey too, which was interesting. But um, it was good because you worked with businesses like Virtus and you worked with BHP. So the diversity yeah. of um, who you spoke to was really stimulating. And the product is it is just ever-changing. I mean, you don't do the same hoodies two years in a row and people go, hoodies, hoodie. Well, no, it's not. This year you wanted a warm hug. If I do different audience, because people are like, oh, the fucking <laughs> But it, so it was good. But again, it was just something that I fell into, and yep. just all of a sudden, twenty years later, shit, I've been doing that for twenty years, and that's weird because there's no thought that's gone into that. There's no planning, and you go, was it ultimately the best thing that I could have done? Probably not, but it just is, you know. Um, yeah, and it was a. Almost means to an end in a way because family and kids were the yeah yeah well the first bit of it wasn't it was just a way to fun life yeah. um and I've got mates so the the mate I work with now Rob he's incredibly driven and was starting to try and work out what he was going to do and who he was going to be at that point in time and made some incredible sacrifices and now you know, he's this amazing success story and, and I'm one of his, I'm going to use the word minions, that <laughs> sounds terrible, but I'm one of his minions. And yeah. you sort of look at that and they're, they're amazing sliding doors moments. Now, and we've spoken, I've spoken to him about it uh, ad nauseum. Um, hats off to him because he was willing to do the things required, take the risk required, yeah. show up and do the hard, really hard things and, and risk a lot to get where he is now. And I wasn't. Um, I was floating and life was good. Yeah. Uh, and at that point in time, everyone would have thought I was really successful because um, we were probably earning, between Michelle and I, a little bit more than some of our friends. So we were doing fine. Well, and, yeah. But there was no purpose yeah. to it. Um, Michelle wanted to be a mum and that was, was her purpose and she enjoyed being with her friends. But I, I just floated through that period. Um, so, yeah. 
You alluded to changing careers a year or so ago. How yeah. has that was that driven by a desire to follow purpose? Um, probably not so much a desire to follow a purpose, but a, a desire to break the the cycle of doing what you always know because it's safe and easy. Yeah. Um, sort of what we were talking about before, um, that imposter syndrome, I'd always found a reason to not try something new. Yeah. I'd, I've been doing this for 10 years. I don't know that. I don't have the education. Whatever. All of these reasons why you don't do something, um, that's the imposter syndrome coming out. You, you find these lenses to put over the front of it and look through them and go, okay, well, I can't do it because... And that's your crutch and you lean on it and away you go. Um, to the point, and Robert asked me a few times um, over the journey to come and work for him and and the lens that I'd used in those early days was I don't want to risk our relationship. Yeah. And that that's not a bad one because <laughs> there's, there are plenty of yeah. friends that, that have yep. had business come between their, their life. But if I'm really honest about that, that was me going... I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want you to see that I don't know what I'm doing. Just looking for a barrier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And he rang me out of the blue middle of last year with another opportunity. And this was more concrete than any other. And I don't – I think his hope was that I would would do it. Um, I don't think the expectation was. And the space that I'm in now, I'm like, okay, so what does it all mean? What does it look like? And if this – doesn't work what does it look like let's let's talk about that stuff um if i tick off here are all your expectations if i tick them off but i'm not good enough like if i fail but i'm trying to do all this stuff are you okay and he sort of looked at me and went yeah of course so i said that as long as you know that i'm having a crack at all this it's okay and he went yep i said okay let's have a go perfect yeah it was so again that was that was the purpose of something okay well at this point in time i'm 50 years old, got to work for another, who knows, 10, 15, <laughs> 20, the way life is. Um, I can't keep doing the same stuff. I can't. Yeah. can't keep showing would've up. Been, would have been the less main lessons over the last 12 months. I mean, there's probably been a few because there's been all those changes and shifts with footy as well, but... Yeah. Um, it's, that's, a, that's actually a really good question because I'm not sure I've sat back and reflected on this 12 months enough other than to know, and again, it's a sick and sad theme that keeps showing up because like even today I'm in meetings with people who've been in an industry that has existed forever for 30 years and I just don't know stuff but keep walking into the room. Yeah. Um, so that's that's probably what this year, and, and both footy and, and work has reinforced that irrespective of how you feel, you're capable, you, you know, um, you've, you've got the, the tools you need inside you to, to deliver. Yeah, you might need to learn stuff and you might need to absorb more information, but you can't do that unless you step into that environment and open yourself up to it. Um, so that's probably been the most common theme. And footy, identical footy is the same. Having the opportunity to coach the seniors this year in Paul's absence, it, it was the best way to coach a senior team ever. You, everyone joked with me. He's the keys to the Ferrari. Don't crash it. Um, one from one. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But it was a it was a. I reckon twelve months ago I wouldn't have done it. I would yeah. have said, "Oh no." Well, found a way maybe to dilute doing it, but bringing more people in and and this year I'm like, no, fuck it. Do you have Do you have a like a a mantra or a, a you know, self talk or something that when you're in that when you're faced with that choice. Now you go, you know, just do it, or do you have something that kind of gives you gives you that self kick to get moving? Why not? Yeah, and it's not a why not me thing. It's just a well, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, you know, the the one thing I think we all learn, and you guys are learning younger than I am, is that you there's nothing we're going to do in life in real terms, that's going to do any damage to us in any way, shape or form if we, you know, are good people. And so that whole um, fail thing, you know, um, I'm a a massive believer in you win or you learn. So 
that's probably the attitude that I've taken out of the last couple of years. Yeah. Just keep showing up to win, and the worst that's going to happen is you're going to learn something. Yeah. It's um, probably the simplest thing. Um, and footy's just footy's a safe environment for me because I love the game. Just and that coaching is coaching is redirected or refound then rekindled that passion that I had as a fifteen year old for playing, um, which I didn't think I actually had even when I went back to Mornington. Um, so that's a that's a no brainer because you're not going to fail there. You just turn up and be involved in something you love doing, and you know, win a flag. You don't win a flag. Yeah. You meet great people, like being at YC, I meet you. So I meet you. My son um, is exposed to this environment. My wife is exposed to this environment. So if you look at the domino effect from that one decision of being involved in a good footy club, and and Red Hill's the same, every club is good, it it brings so much to your life. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like it's life is just about networking and relationship building and like it's not what you know, it's who you know. Like I was talking to a young fellow, Mitch Kennedy, last night and it's funny, like me ending up here <laughs> in this seat right now goes back to Mitch Kennedy that I barely know, like getting Cam Elliott, a former Virtus coach, down to Ballarat all those years ago. Like, you know, everyone is just connected in some way, shape or form. It's yeah, it's, it, it's amazing, and it, it's again, it's being open to connect with those people, even mm. if it's brief. I mean, yeah, Lockie, the the first meeting with Lockie was a Zoom meeting where Schneid's looped him in to try and present the club to oh, the boys. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> that's so that, that's the weirdness of yeah. life. If like when I was speaking to Paul and Schneid's about these boys coming across, I said, you know. Pines have been working with these kids for years and they know the club and they know the players and they understand that. So somehow you need to connect the club to them really quickly. And it was COVID. How the hell do you do that? Um, this guy could have said, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, but, yeah, you jumped on a Zoom call <laughs> with, you know... Sean's asking if I wanted to talk about footy for 20 minutes. Like, right. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> 15, you know, 17-year-olds and their parents... Yeah. Um, to try yeah, and yeah. sell the footy club and, and then me knowing what his background was and knowing what Das was trying to achieve with his footy um, and where he was training at that point was a, a hall. So then I reached out a week later and said, Lock, you know, I know we don't know each other, but this is where Das is at and this is what he – can you help him? Um, and bang, you know, that's – I didn't know that's how you did, Matt. Yeah, we I'm learning it? something too. Zoom. Zoom. Yeah. A lot to if be I said never, for Zoom. If I never see a Zoom again, I'll be <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm, I, I still exist on Teams every day. We've got multiple oh, meetings. Because okay. yeah. when, you, when you're now do, doing business with people in the US and the UK, it's yeah. just, it's easy, but yeah, it's not fun. What, what is your new business actually for um, the listeners, like for the last, well, the, the, yeah, the last 12 months? I work with it. The name will have no meaning to anyone, day hour post, but we, we compete essentially with Australia Post, so e-commerce parcel deliveries. Um, we're not a retailer. Um, so we don't we don't come and pick up your parcel from your street and deliver it somewhere, but we work with FedEx and DHL, Ascendia, um, big, what you would call freight aggregators from overseas who go out and sell their services to um, e-com businesses, um, big and small, and then we look after the lane from the US to Australia or from the UK to Australia and to New Zealand. Um, on their behalf, because it's it's an inconsequential lane for them. Like DHL and FedEx have their own planes and have their own infrastructure, but they don't use it here because the volumes are so low. Yep. Um, and we can do it as efficiently and as cost-effectively for them, and they don't have to invest. So um, that's what we do, and it, it, it's the growth is just extraordinary. It's just... I can't begin to um, explain how quickly... I mean, Rob's been in business for 20 years, but the business in this guy's is really maybe 10, and the the success is three to five, and the real success is 18 months. Like COVID, it just went bang, went nuts when everyone started ordering online. Absolutely crazy. And it's just not stopped. Yeah. It's just not stopped. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's convenience, selling convenience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you are. 
Just now I ordered some posters from uh, Officeworks two days ago. They came from Sydney, even though I was like, there's an Officeworks three minutes down the road. But it's easier for me to just go whack, 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 done. And I was like looking at the track and say, I was like, Sydney, bang, 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 bang. And I'm like, that can't be sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> no. But also... Kim Darren and job. One plane to fly your posters from Sydney <laughs> yeah, to here. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> expensive posters. But, but it goes to show you how how conditioned as humans we've been to this thing, this phenomenon. I had a complaint two weeks ago from uh, from an everyday Joe Public who'd ordered something through a, an online store in the UK and that store engaged with a business that we look after and, so of course, we've got their parcel and abusing our, t- our staff because our tracking online is misleading and I'm looking at it going, yeah, and it's something we need to fix. Yep. But because so many businesses um, are programmed and mapped into them, the change has got to be really gradual because you've got to take those businesses yeah, along for the ride. So, so we've been evolving it to get better. And I'm going, yeah, well, I get what he's saying. I understand it. But he was going off really off tap. So in the end, one of the girls transferred him through and um, I started talking to him and he just hung up. I went, okay. And then I got this email. It was like a rant. <laughs> so I, I brought up his parcel and I'm looking at it and I'm going, hang on, he ordered this on Friday out of Birmingham <laughs> and it's the following Thursday and it's in your hand. Fucked. What are you it's doing, fucked. man? <laughs> what is the problem here? Welcome to 2022. <laughs> what have we done wrong? So in in literally four business days, he's ordered yeah. something from the UK and it's in his in his hand. It's mental. And he's going off because we're an untrustworthy, misleading business. I'm going, it just doesn't compute. But anyway. I mean it's a nice it's a nice little like perspective shift. It's just like guys, zoom out for a second and go like <laughs> think about what these like is actually happening here. It's yeah. mental. Yeah, you do, and you look at all the little the stages that it goes through. It, it's it's crazy, but we have these. It's interesting. So the, you talk about the impact of business, the footy on business, coaching and and connection and humans on business. Um, our customer service team is based in the Philippines, and and that is a good or a bad thing depending on what lens you look through it. But we we couldn't find staff here to fill it, um, and then the model we're in, you just the volume of stuff you need, you can't. So there's a really good community over there. Um, we've got this team. They're 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 amazing. My role is is new to the business, and the business has traditionally just sold stuff, delivered stuff, and dealt with stuff. Um, and we're trying to lift service standards and and make sure that customers have a great experience. And a part of that is trying to help this team be better at what they do. And I was sitting in a meeting about it a month ago. And all of, and you know what it's like. You talk in a gym. You use numbers, weights, and reps, and sets, and it's just a number. It's a statistic up there. So, for us, if we're delivering ninety-eight percent of what we are given yeah. within a certain number of days, we're flying. We're going amazing. And and that ninety-eight percent just sits like if we deliver a million parcels, and we deliver ninety-eight percent of them, that's a, a high industry standard but work out how many parcels don't get delivered if, if that's 2% of a million parcels. That's a lot of stuff. That, that's a lot that's of stuff. That's what I was thinking. So, but as a leadership team, all of that, we're all sitting around the table and going, okay, well, this is great. We're hitting amazing numbers. We're going really well. And I'm like, no, we're not. And they're looking at me, but we are. I'm like, no, we're not. I've got 12 people sitting in, in the Philippines who live in shit every day. Their whole job, all day, every day, is complaints. All day. No one rings them and says, thanks very much for getting my parcel yeah, from yeah. the UK to, to Australia. Australia. I'm so grateful for you. Nah. <laughs> uh, all they get, and it and it's like they left it an inch outside, so that corner of the – like, got wet. Like, the some of the most minute thing – and, yes, if, you, if you're if you in, in that moment and that's you, maybe you get upset. But I'm like, so what you're telling me is if we're happy with this position, this 98%, that what they do doesn't matter. So they just get, they yeah, we, a, we just we just look at them and go, really sorry because our business is flying. You just have to deal with this. And I thought I can't I can't cop it because essentially I'm telling fourteen people that what they do 
doesn't matter because we're not willing to help them be better. We're not willing to be better to take some of that pain away. Yeah. And our CFO went, oh, I've never thought about it like that. And I've gone, no, I know. That's the issue. Um, yeah. So that's that's the footy mentality that comes to me. It's like, no, no, we've just got to be better. We've got to look after each other. We don't have to be the best, but we've just got to look after each other. Stop fucking complaining. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Stop leaving shit reviews. Yeah, 100%. Um, what, is the, what does the future look like for, for you? What is, what is the next you know, five, ten years entail, Baxi? <laughs> um, footy. Yeah, work. I, I, I actually really don't know. I, I was uncomfortable about this probably through my thirties and forties, even. Yeah. But I'm really comfortable with not knowing now, and I do love you. You are beautiful. Um, <laughs> if you're listening, you're sitting there licking Darren's face at the minute. Um, I'm really comfortable not knowing. Uh, so there, there is some stuff with footy that I that I'd like to tick off now. Whether that is me coaching in my own right at senior level or, yeah. or whether that's following my son. I don't I don't know, but there will be footy. Um, Michelle and I need to have some fun. So um that will, <laughs> Hello. That will that will happen but but I don't know and and, and I'm actually really comfortable with that. Really comfortable with that. Um, we had a meeting with our financial advisor yesterday who we hate because we, we like lots of people stuff money up when yeah. we're a bit younger and we've we're nearly recovered, but that means we're not going to be stinking filthy rich when we retire. But again, like I used to be scared of those meetings. Yeah. Now I'm not. I don't know. It's it's weird. But yeah, there, there's there's a chunk of footy to be ticked off. What that looks like, what that feels like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, Rob, who's my mate, this business, how, however much longer I'm there, it'll be about making it better for him for when he exits because um, he will exit at some point and retire. Yeah. And the saleability of that then is important to him. So um, my time here, whether it's two years, three years, five years, is about setting him up for success. So that's my purpose there. Um, kids, having grandkids, I don't know. Yeah, heard it here first. Charlie. <laughs> little Darcy's running <laughs> I was around. I was about to say, sort out, Darcy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could deal with another little Darcy, but um, no, he's, good. he's a good boy. He's a wonderful boy. Yeah, it's um. Would you would you ever look at doing your own thing? Because I know you strike me as the kind of person that should be driving the bus, running the business. Yeah. Um, I've sat in this space for a long, 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 long time, especially when I was in the merch industry. Yeah. And didn't have the nuts to do it. Um, just do it. I, Why not? Yeah, but so now, now I sit back <laughs> and go, that don't do it. <laughs> now I sit back and go, I was that space is not the space. So, yes, I would love to. Yeah. I don't know what that is, though. Yeah. Um, I love what you guys do here. I lo- so, in in a perfect world, this sort of business would be something that would appeal. Um, I like potential. Correct. Um, I do love Ted. I need... I know. We won't need that all the last hour. Um, and, you know, I keep looking at the office and down there going, what could I do that I could find myself sitting in one of those offices? <laughs> do I go back and do a mess? Do I, like... So yeah, there is a part of me that has that drive, um, definitely. Yeah. But there's, but I'm less concerned about it. Like I used to have this tug of war in my own head. I need to do something because we want to be rich and we want to. Yeah. But now it's about like I walk into a place and go, yeah, "It's pretty cool." I walk into Common Folk, go, "Yeah, this is pretty cool." Yeah. Like it's the vibe of the place and the purpose of why it's built that appeals. So. Yeah, who knows? Maybe I maybe I can build a freight business. That <laughs> I'm sure we can sort something out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the longer I do this, the less it's about the training and the you know the exercise science side of things and the strength and conditioning. It's more. It's just about what this place means to people and and the kind of people it attracts and what we're able to to achieve together. And that's it. Yeah, but at the end of the day, what you do doesn't really matter. No. Well, it doesn't matter in the slightest the way I look at it. No, it, it, I think the purpose thing is is not is not overstated. If if you know that you can get up in the morning and you have a reason to to do to be to show up, then um, then it makes life much easier. And and we all have the ups and downs. Business, you know, yeah. life is not. You keep saying training is not linear. Life is not linear. Um, and there's 
the the ups are really sh- really steep. The downs can be just as. Yeah. Um, but it's that that reason to get back up and to go again. I think it's really important. Which an environment like this, if it was my business, it it would be easy to understand it. Why? As I said, I, I love places like Common Folk or Laneway or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, snake pit, pit, little businesses like that. There is a purpose. They they have a real passion for what they do, um, and their business is an extension of them. And yours gives you the ability to do this. I mean, I would never have dreamed of doing a podcast. It's wonderful. I s- still know. have imposter syndrome. I'm not really sure. <laughs> quite that didn't go away. Conversation <laughs> with Michelle, Michelle on Monday. She's like, "You don't want to interview him. He's not interesting." And like, fifteen minutes later in a session, she comes back. She's like, "Is he interesting?" <laughs> she actually said to me, we, "We took the dog for a walk before." She, said, I've had anxiety all day about this. <laughs> I said, "Thanks, Dale. Appreciate the support." She, she got a pump up. Um, any more for any more? When are we getting Michelle on? Oh. There you go. Good would luck with that. Um, I reckon you could get her on, and, and in in fact, I mean, I think I can talk. She could. She can talk. She loves a oh, chat. Yeah. She loves a chat. So it'd be it'd be it'd be fun. Even as I said to her, you know what? If this if they play this back and it's no good, it goes in the bin. But we've had fun for an hour mm. talking, so that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, she'd be interesting actually. She'd be interesting. She, she doesn't think she is, but she would be interesting. I think she's lived a bit. Stories to tell? Stories to tell. <laughs> I'll leave that. We'll, leave, we'll let that slide off into the horizon um, and whet the ap- appetite of the listeners maybe for another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, if you want Michelle Murr, shout out. Um, mate, thank you for welcome. spending the last hour with us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Have a good day.